0: Social media content comes easy to those who are born performers, but for the remaining 99% of us, we need an effective way of promoting our services that doesn't require us to become a trained TV presenter. Most of us just want to talk about what we love, what inspires us, and how we can help people without the pressure and the imposter syndrome that can come with showing up online. With virtual styling business tool ShopShare, you can create shoppable social media content that conveys your personality, your skills, your empathy, and your knowledge without the stress of presenting as someone that you don't feel like you are. And while you're doing that, your content is also running up commission payments for you. Join me in March alongside ShopShare TV founder Emma Enterman as we run our first content creation bootcamp. We'll help you draft, record, and publish enough content to fill in every social media platform for a whole month. Head to the episode description for more details. You're listening to The Styling Advisory Podcast, the only show exploring the business of personal styling and how stylists are helping retailers to personalize customer experiences. We're interested in how styling leaders have built a successful business and what retailers are doing to capitalize on the styling client community. If you're a personal stylist currently avoiding doing the marketing activity on your to-do list today, schedule your tea and chat with founder and host Sarah Cohen via the website. Well, welcome. Welcome, Azula. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm excited. (laughs) i'm just going to um, list off a couple of your achievements so um sit back and pat yourself on the back so uh, for all of our listeners azula martins is one of london's most experienced image professionals you've been doing this for 20 years yeah (laughs) um you've done styling for the bbc itv and channel 4 presenters you've styled members of the royal family um for editorial shoots um as well as personal shopping and event looks you've curated celebrity special event looks um for derby day ascot the elton john white tie and tiara ball and the red carpet you've been uh, styling music artists um for press looks and performances and ad campaigns for um browns and space nk is that how i pronounce it yeah space nk and you've done editorial styling for hello and tatler magazine and you've also done some sort of like corporate consulting. I know you worked with the Hyatt um, on their creative direction for their staff. Yeah, mm-hmm. amazing. So it's it's one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you is because in our first sort of conversation when we first met, and I I got an understanding of your um, expertise and the experiences. Some of them, you know, once in a lifetime experiences for an image professional. But I was taken by how you also were you know, not, not as confident to go, yeah, do you know what, I've just I've absolutely killed it. You were like, yeah. is it enough? Am I good enough? Tell us why. Tell us why. <laughs> why? I think even now
1: it's still, so you can reel off those things and I, it's easier for somebody else to say it than for me to go through the things. But I, there's still a part of me that still goes, but mm, is it enough or do I need, to, should I have done more? And there were times when I used to think, oh, it's a bit over here and a bit over there, but it's not just like only red carpet or only television or, you know. So there are things that I think have, you know, kind of have something to do with that as well. Um, And I was thinking about when you kind of present your work and somebody says, hmm, you haven't really done enough and how that stuck with me. So going to see a stylist agent and saying, you know, this is what I've done. And I was really excited at the time, but they were like, "Mm, don't really think you've done enough. And that for some odd reason stuck somewhere that then starts to make me think, okay, well, I I need to do a bit more of this and maybe it's not, you know, yeah." yeah. Yeah. So, but then when I hear it, I'm like, well, no, there's quite a lot, but somewhere I need to
0: unravel that and delete it and do you feel as a stylist or an image professional that perhaps you should have focused on one area and built up your expertise and clients in there or do you like the fact that you've got this varied exposure to all of the subsections within the styling industry see that's the thing I
1: actually love the fact that (laughs) I've got I've done a bit of this and a bit I remember actually when I was at uni and someone said to me oh I can't wait to you know you know get a job as a designer in Marks and Spencers or John Lewis and then work my way through the company for 40 years and I thought that would just be like horrible I love the fact that I can do something over here and I think when I discovered freelance styling that was like because I can do a bit of something over here and something over there so I think genuinely I love that about my career about my journey that I've done lots of bits of things still all within styling but I I think having that conversation with someone saying to me "Mm," and I think at that time I wanted to go more into just editorial Mm. and for them it wasn't quite you know enough of just editorial but then I think I'd have got bored if it was just editorial I like the fact I love working with personal clients and I love you know, seeing the difference that you actually make in their lives, and then, if it's with a celebrity, it's that mix of the personal but then the creative like joint, and that's
0: my best place. because when you're working on those red carpet looks or those um, press events, um, mm. there is a little bit more flexibility with the creative direction, right, as opposed yeah. to the personal styling clients which you're starting to focus on this year Yes yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Mm. so there's there's more creativity. But there's also this nervous energy, which I love from you or the client. I think for the client, they have this, you know, because they want to they obviously want to look good. They want to, you know, for there to be good reviews of what they were wearing, etc. But for me, it's also because I'm waiting to does this look work and do they feel confident enough to carry it off? But at the same time, what's, you know, what will the review be when it comes back? It's that kind of excitement that I love. And I think that's, I get that when I'm doing red carpet, because it's a mixture of making sure that they're comfortable, confident, but then I can be creative at the same time.
0: And you have, I know, this sort of incredible creative component of your brain. Then um, I wanted to share the the well I wanted you to share that beautiful story of what you did when you were at school um Mm. the the sort of club that you formed (laughs) which I think gives listeners an insight into um the the journey that you're on to help people that sort of on a more one-to-one you know personal basis
1: yeah so in my first year of secondary school I uh, met a girl I went to a girl's school and there was one particular girl who I just felt she was there was just a light in her, but I felt like it was, no one recognized it. And I had this feeling that, I mean, she wasn't being oppressed, but somewhere in my head, I felt like she just wasn't being allowed to be who she was and to flourish. And I created a club called uh, GCI, Girls Club for Independence. And it was really, it was just for her. And so we met at break times. Hold on, what does GCI stand for?
0: Girls Club for Independence. Well, that makes sense as you've just said it. Yeah, <laughs> so. I am so sharp. Okay, okay continue. Okay. <laughs> so, um,
1: and then other people in the class wanted to join, and so my best friend was in a different class, and so we had to. I well, I had to open it up so that my best friend could That's also right. join. But we did. I mean, the the club went on till I left secondary school and it was still going on for a few years and we had a magazine we had uh, like an uh, you know an agony aunts column and it's just the way that we would do so then at that time it was you know um writing everything by hand and then photocopying it but onto colored paper and you know it was like i don't know 10p for an issue and we made that issue come out every month and then we would save money every time you came to the club you know you'd put 2p or 5p or something in and then we would have these like pizza and movie nights but everybody had so let's say like all my close friends we all had something to do within GCI so I was the president someone was the treasurer it was just it was for her that one person and actually, think I'm just thinking about now because I'm still friends with her on Facebook, and what she does now and how vibrant she is. I don't think she would have. And I'm not saying it's GCI. I'm just saying, looking at her now. But I'm not saying it wasn't a pivotal <laughs> part of like her. <laughs> Obviously, it was. Um. <laughs> oh,
0: Did you? I'm just imagining um, that she sort of walks into the school, and you see her, and you walk up, and you go you've got talent no one knows it yeah. yet allow me right. yeah i do like it, it just is such a funny image and did she at the time when you approached her and said allow me to take you under your wing i'm going to create a club yeah. for you so you can shine all our money's on you you better become a success <laughs> if
1: you it wrong yeah no.
0: exactly you look oppressed are you oppressed <laughs> i've got a club for it did she sort of say yes thank you i've been looking for this or you know no I think- <laughs> Sorry. Was I waiting to see
1: whether that's what she wanted? No, so <laughs> I think I yeah, I didn't, so I I just created it. I said, there's a club, Girls Club for Independence. It's just me and you. <laughs> and I'm just trying to think there wasn't so much co- she was just excited. Yeah. There wasn't conversation about mm, why are you just doing this for me? I don't, I can't remember any of that. It just became a fun thing that beautiful we did at break times. But I'm saying when I look at her now, I she is so, she's like a rainbow. That's kind of, she's just like full of life and vibrant. And I feel that I could see that then. I saw something and she, yeah, that's that person that she is now. And then a few years ago, so probably 2019, a friend of mine who I've been friends with for years but always felt there was a point when I felt like she just wasn't I don't know there was some there was more going on and she wasn't expressing a particular side of her and she was very entrepreneurial but that kind of side had just kind of died down to like nothingness Mm -hmm. and then we had this conversation she said she really wants to now that her son was a bit older she really wanted to, to do something but she had no idea of what to do and so I was trying to like kind of remind her of all the things she said she wanted to do before all the things she used to do. And she's like, no, but she couldn't, you know, it's almost like, well, I couldn't, who am I to? I couldn't do that. And then I thought, well, I'll create something called Inspo Hub. And that would be myself and some other friends who we were all kind of entrepreneurs, working for ourselves, little businesses. And I just felt if she's around us at some stage, she'll get inspired and she will- Blossom. Awesome. Yeah. But it, it went. It was really good because it kind of helped everybody in the group. But I remember the first day um, and we, we set it up as a breakfast thing and she was just in tears and she said she hadn't been in a room with and felt so inspired for, for years.
0: And I wonder whether as a stylist, as someone that's drawn to this profession, it's almost like a sixth sense or, or an innate skill that you have. It, it, um, in yourself and your and your peers of this industry, being able to see the potential in someone, mm. whether that's from a creative, you know, artistic perspective, or whether that's from, you know, a much more holistic perspective. Yeah. It's, it's why this industry is so much more than clothing mm. and shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Let's change tact. Um, my mum is obsessed with the royal family and she writes to the Queen for every formal occasion and then frames the replies. So I would be doing her a disservice if I didn't say, please explain every juicy detail about styling the royal family. Commence. Well,
1: what can I explain?
0: What was it like? I mean, holy Lord, you you know, talk me through the first time you went in to, to do an appointment, to, to to create an appointment.
1: Yeah, so we... um. I worked with another stylist um, who had been the fashion director of Tatler and I worked with her. And it was, I think it wasn't what I expected at all. So you're going to the Royal Lodge and you're going to be meeting princesses. (laughs) So I had, you know, kind of how I thought everything was going to be. But all I can say is they were just, and I say it and say it, they were so lovely so lovely so so down to earth and I wasn't expecting that at all um I've had clients that will be like I'm not wearing that I'm not wearing that and I'm not wearing that (laughs)
0: lovely
1: and I'm like "Mm, okay they were so grateful for the work we did um our time as though it was a gift and they didn't take any of it for granted so I remember going in, so we went to dress um, Princess Bitches for, uh, I think it was Chelsea Flower Show. And then Sarah Ferguson rolled out this like leather, We went into the library and she rolled out this leather, um, it's a diary, but it kind of rolled out across the table.
0: Like a long ancient scroll? Yes. <laughs> and she said,
1: these are the events for the summer and I'd like you both to, to style them. Now, we thought we were just going to kind of finish the prep for Chelsea Flower Show. <laughs> so we weren't expecting that. And we were like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we can do that. I think we can fit that in. Yeah. <laughs> Have we got some time?
0: <laughs> we'll do it for you. We'll do it for you, Sarah. We'll do it for
1: you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean...
0: It's a bit tight, but we'll fit you in. (laughs) We'll fit you and your scroll in. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, And then, so there were definitely, you know, there were rules that you had to kind of work with in terms of what they could and couldn't wear. Mm -hmm. But also what I loved was their appreciation for how much work goes into, it wasn't just, oh, that, that Milner or, you know, those accessories or that designer, everything that we pulled, they were grateful to the designer we pulled. They were just, they were just really grateful. And then the other thing was, so for I think this was Zara's wedding. There was a particular outfit. Are we on a we first were, name
0: basis with the royal family? Yes, um, no but... Zaz, it was Zaz's wedding? It was busy. Um... Zaz? <laughs> Um, and there were
1: these dresses that we didn't want them to wear (laughs) and we thought could you just not how about they're just not packed Mm. could that be a solution but they were like no because the designer and we were like (laughs) the designer's gone so much trouble we couldn't possibly not not take it not wear it
0: Oh, mm, my God, And that
1: made me just think, but if you wear that particular dress, it might not, you know, your kind of status of dressing has now gotten to the, like, top ten, where it was a hundred and something before. If you wear that, that could bring it down. But there was more, for them, there was more... Um, it was just important not to be disrespectful to whoever's put this together for them, than any ridicule that they would get and I found that really wow.
0: Yeah what, a, what an incredible example of gratitude yeah. and humility yeah. and well, I guess everything that you imagine in a fairy tale of, of princesses.
1: <laughs> because it just wasn't it just wasn't yeah I, it wasn't what I expected at all we'd have lunch there which was we were always taken care of looked after. What did you have for lunch? I have to ask. I know it's not relevant for anyone. Um, I had shepherd's pie. I remember the shepherd's pie was very, very tasty. Royal shepherd's pie?
0: It's different. Okay. Do you know what I think is so interesting? If we just, if we take these, you know, these styling clients of yours, let's say, whether it's um, Beatrice and Eugenie or, you know, whomever, and you know rationally that they could have their pick of any stylist in the country. Yeah they they loved your work so much that you got more and more bookings and so how how does someone balance that knowledge but then with um knowing that right I've now got to pivot my business because I'd like to start doing personal styling appointments Mm -hmm. let's say virtually because I've got two young children and I'm a single mom and I need to do that what's going on in your mind um
1: I think there was a lot there has been a lot of getting people to understand or potential clients to understand the value or the need for the service. I think where it's red carpet styling um, and there's a need because they're in that industry or they're in the, you know, they're in the limelight, there's a need for that. But then translating that to someone who's, you know, launched out with their own business, for example, and and it's a completely different arena and, and they're not sure how to navigate that trying to show them that there's value in this service and not doing the DIY route, which I think a lot of people do. And that's always been my thing. Okay, well, then how do I show that them working with me is valuable, not just now in the short term, but also in the long term, as opposed to them trying to do DIY three, four or five times and then still ending up somehow coming back to a stylist.
0: And to be able to communicate the value of working with a stylist outwardly to an audience to a client to a potential lead it does require you to accept your own value which we know from the awkwardness of me reading out your industry achievements and you being like I can't say them you say them (laughs) yeah there's this kind of I don't know is dichotomy the word it's a sort of um listen I don't want to sound like I'm up myself but you really need to work with me it's, it's yeah. very hard and when it comes yeah. to marketing and you think well okay I, I have to market my business because i need to attract i have need to build an audience nurture them and turn them into clients yeah i need to communicate the value but it is uncomfortable for me and i have my own doubts about my own abilities because i remember the thing you know i've remembered yeah. the one thing someone said that so it's said. a real challenge isn't it And then when you've only, you know, you've got young kids, you're doing it all on your own, so you've only got sort of, you know, 15 minutes at midnight to bloody work on any of this stuff. Yeah. So has that been a challenge as well, working out how to sort of position yourself and communicate with your audience?
1: Yeah, I think a huge challenge, and at times it's just left me stuck, almost not doing anything because you're not quite sure where to start it was all so overwhelming and so before I remember listening to one of your podcasts and thinking before I listened to it think okay let me just you know I felt you know what do something for your business so I'm driving and my mind was okay how many days have gone and I said I'm going to do something for my business I'm going to do something towards my business there's this huge list it's overwhelming do something and I thought right in the car you're going to do something towards your business So we're going to listen to this podcast. And I was listening. And the first thing that came to me was she's asking the questions I want to ask, (laughs) because I thought I'm just going to hear something. Okay, I thought, well, I probably won't get anything that I really want to get, but it'll still be I'll learn something. So let's listen. Now, before working with you, it was just a mountain overwhelming and not knowing where to start at all and I think that other things so for me recently a couple of years ago going through a divorce and then being a single now becoming a single mum that has other you know my work kind of had to take a back seat for a while um, and so that has its own knock on effects of your confidence etc etc so then it just was an, a huge overwhelming thing that so you think but I love doing this but I was just stuck completely stuck not knowing I knew there's lots to be done but not knowing you know well where do I start with it and what's the most important thing and I had all this information in my head and those are some of the things that for me have been priceless is coming away from a session and going like it's it's laid out I can it's laid out I understand it it makes sense but I would not have been able to pick any of that out and a lot of it is done with me going just talking and then you've picked out the nuggets (laughs) yes and then it's like oh oh, I can do that that
0: it's it's there it's you know I think that sort of speaks to the value of working with other people that can see your talent so it's not dissimilar to the club that you created yeah when someone is able to look You know a talk with you and understand what drives you and have a look at what you've done it's exciting and so it gives you that kind of you know energetic buzz and then it's just about formatting things into a kind of linear chronological order yeah but it is it is a challenge i think also working for yourself working on your own and doing so much on your own as a creative with you know with with your brain that obviously thrives in as you said that energetic environment has that been a challenge as well do you think working on your own yeah but at
1: least there's two things because at times I used to think oh I should have you know an assistant or a junior stylist but then there was this thought of by the time I've trained somebody and all my clients every single client I've ever had really has always been word of mouth even when I've done television it's how I got into television was you know from signing somebody else and they recommended me so I've always had this thing of I wanted to maintain that reputation that i built Mm. and so how do I work with somebody else and the kind of worry of how would I make sure that we just were still providing a particular service but then everything's overwhelming the things that I, I would remember when I'm working on a project I would just be like tunneled vision and I'm just working on this project not putting my head up to kind of make sure I'm generating more leads or generating mm. new clients I would just get focused and stuck here and if I'm doing lots of personal clients then that's one area and then the kind of corporate side would wane or I've turned and I'm doing corporate or I'm just doing television then the my other personal clients you know I needed to check in with them and that wasn't So it's hard and I think the challenge is knowing where to work with others. But I think I just see more benefits of it now. And one of the biggest things I think I've learned is that you have your clients. So there are hundreds of stylists and there are hundreds of clients. All of those clients aren't mine and it's fine and it's okay.
0: Yeah.
1: The clients that are mine will value the type of service and value what I can offer in the whole styling mix and those are my clients and it's okay. So another stylist down the road could live three doors away from me but but still two different stylists and they would have their tribe and I'd have mine.
0: Exactly, exactly. And the, uh, that, that's once we realise I think that, that that entire concept, that people will respond to or resonate with who you are, or someone else. Yeah, you're all trained relatively similarly in the sense that it, you know, there's color, there's balance, proportion. Yeah, the challenge is for all of us who have spent most of our lives hiding certain parts of ourselves or quietening certain parts of ourselves. You know, the unique and different parts, as we established a sense of safety. You know, at school the challenge is to now bring those out again because they are in fact indicators of who you are so when you are online creating content people can work out immediately oh yep that's that's my vibe that's my type of person yeah. yeah and that's a real challenge as well because if you're looking for inspiration online there's a lot of similar looking content and and less people being feeling comfortable enough to be vulnerable because it's also we've not really as a in a professional environment no one's really explained how to be professional but also yourself
1: yourself yes yeah there isn't that so if I think of the things that I'd like and just even looking at the people that I follow or that I consume when I say consume that I you know I go to see have they got a new reel I consume their content they're funny yeah (laughs) and if I see a stylist who is doing something, but there's something funny in there, I would be there like all day. If it's just, I'm here to teach you why this cut looks like this, I'm not interested. (laughs) Yes. I'm just not. (laughs) Yes. I need something that is a bit sarcastic, makes me laugh, that's... And so then I started thinking recently, you know... I've been thinking, what would my content actually look like? The content that I would enjoy doing. What would it look like? It'd have to be funny, because if it's not, I'd be bored. Like I don't yes. want to be bored.
0: <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> um, there's this is this is a really good example. Um, there's a, a beauty vlogger, yeah, who talks about real cr- true crime while she's also doing makeup. Yes, I've seen her. Yes. That's a perfect example of pulling in something completely unrelated to your industry that you like, and just really getting to a moment where you go, I actually don't care what anyone thinks. There's going to be people that go brilliant. Tell me about that better and how to contour a cheek. And then there's going to be people that goes, that's mental and that's okay.
1: And that's, that's the thing that it's okay. It's okay that you don't
0: appeal to everybody. It's okay it's okay what what i think um happens is the feeling of safety you get when you create some content for the sake of creating content and you put it out there and it is so bland like a very tasteless soup like a tasteless potato <laughs> soup but at least no one's enraged by it no one writes back and goes that was shit." And, you, yeah. yeah i don't like you um or that was wrong no one says anything because yeah. it's bland as that. you go that's all right that's i right. did my job i did my content yeah tip and it, mm-hmm. exactly and it is scary to go do you know what i'm going to actually add a little bit of smoked paprika to this soup or i'm going to add it i'm going to go nuts with a, a little spice a, bit of, a little spice um, truffle oil or something if you <laughs> it's scary to go i'm just gonna pop that in there and see and I, see yeah but it's the only way to start enjoying what you do because i don't know how much longer we can keep creating this fading this monster of an engine with just Mm. crap
1: (laughs) yeah it has to be and that's another sad thing well it's a sad thing that it it takes such a while to get to a place where you're like "Hmm, I'm just going to be me like I'm at a place I like me (laughs) I like who I am so get into that place and then I like me and this is what I'm going to share I think It's sad that it takes a while. I mean, it's great once you've got there. If if you get there, it's great. But I think it's just sad that it takes a while of feeling you have to present a certain way or do something a certain way for everyone.
0: Do you feel that way when you are looking at a social media platform and you see mm. peers in your industry, whether they're writing yeah. content, YouTube, social media posts, emails, whatever, do you kind of feel um, that there's a sort of set way of presenting yourself as an image professional online that you need to yeah. sort of su- su- uh, subscribe to? Yes.
1: Yeah. And I think and that's the thing where I've kind of been toying with in my head of like I, I need to be the me what interests, thinking of the things that interest me and that needs to, that really has to come into my content because then I'll want to do it. But I see that there is a particular format.
0: Mm. I'm a bit bored. <laughs> <laughs> the format currently is useful because it's, it's sort of representative of one key pillar or, or, or purpose of content, which is we want to explain because we're in a service industry, we're not in a product yeah. industry, yeah. We, we need to be able to sh- um, prove our expertise and that's easily done through, let's say, styling videos where you can visually sh- illustrate how creative you are, you know, and yeah. and that um, educational content is great. The challenge we have as business owners is that it is not sufficient to move a potential client through the buyer's cycle from I've never heard of you to I must yeah. work with you. So yeah. it's like it's like your audience, Many for many people and many stylists, the audience is stuck in that one stage, which is I get it, I get it, you're creative, you know how to style. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. need some more information. More. I'm going to need like... Information, you know, like price, um, returns policy, you know, testimonials, whatever. But I'm also going to need to know things like, for me, like, do you swear? Do you like jokes? Do do we have snacks? Like, what are the little clues or signals yeah. that other people know about me that I, that, that yeah. a client needs to know about me because that's going to yeah. tell you whether it's like, do I go with you or do I go with you? Yeah, or do I go with yeah. So what's, what's give me two things, two random weird things about you that you would currently omit from an audience, any content.
1: Um, (laughs) Okay, so I love dancing and it's a daily occurrence that happens in this house, me and my girls. It could be in the car, just we dance all the time. And I love Afrobeats. So that happens daily, and I don't think there are people that don't even know I think some of the people that don't even know that I danced around the house all the time, so just dancing dance is a huge part of has always been a huge part of my life i think I'm just thinking back to yeah like I've always danced, and all it's it happens every day it it it's like a an oxygen. <laughs>
0: So, do you play it when you when you're with a client? Do you try and create sort of this silence? Is there? (laughs) And so that's the thing. That sounds really fun. (laughs) Sounds really great.
1: Mm. Um, if I was on a shoot, Mm. then might just like sneak some in Mm. because it's kind of you know we're in the studio. Someone's playing something. Oh, let me put on a tune. So you know, but. Um, And also garage, UK garage, which is kind of like, it's quite old. But yeah, but I would never, I would never be, you know, going through someone's wardrobe. It just, it would be quite silent just because I think, and I think that's almost like, I think that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And so that's like a side of me that only like my close friends know I'm always dancing or
0: how much I love music i guess the best version of ourselves is the version where we feel completely unfiltered so yeah. you could be doing afro beats and styling <laughs> treats like. and yeah and then there's snacks there's always going to be snacks okay okay afro beats style and treats and it could be it could just be you with a snack some afro beats and style and the dress <laughs> <laughs> some people yeah. will get it some people won't <laughs> people and that won't. is cool yeah <laughs> but you'll find that the people that get it uh, mm. become evangelists for your business yeah. because yeah. like in marketing would say it's that it makes something really sticky makes something really like it, it, it's an experience that's um, completely permeates all the senses you know and it's interesting and the most important part you're loving it yeah and when we, I, th- I think that we've got to power our businesses on love. Like it, it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds, I just, I know I can hear what that sounds like, but it's, we can't sustain the energy. I can't do mm-hmm. lunches, breakfast, school drop-offs, finding clothing, doing plats in hair. Where's the reader? Someone fed the dog. <laughs> yeah. Now do a full day of work. I can't sustain any of that unless I am having a laugh and loving it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there has exactly and there has to be some and there's a you know, there's comedy, but that everyone so I have I don't think there's a particular type of comedy. <laughs> Darskin Hutch, um, Daddy's Home. Oh my god, that is
0: terrible. What sort of British person are you? The, <laughs> i was expecting Ricky Gervais, Julia Davis, Vicky Pepperdine, oh. you know, like Vicar yes, of I love the office. Okay, good. but the American version of that. You don't. I do. This is a betrayal to the brilliant, <laughs> the brilliant humour of the Brits. Because it's so because that's so American. I love
1: the office. Okay. And then there's something else called um, People Just Do Nothing. I that find that funny. Show, that's just hilarious. And I think also what I love about it is the fact that they started off as like a a mockumentary but people actually thought it was real and then the bbc saw them doing something on youtube and bought the series and now they're like they've won i think they win a bafta or something yeah
0: oh that's right but up that's my alley
1: a of friends who worked in a phone shop and always just do different accents when they were selling phones <laughs> <laughs> <And> then- <laughs> that's
0: exactly my humor
1: so but yeah
0: <laughs> okay see how much fun it is when we think about things we love
1: I know. <laughs> now go and write an
0: automated email sequence <laughs> not so fun not so fun but it has to those things have to be done <laughs> they have to be done but no one said they have to be done the same way there is no way that some of the best marketers in the world some of the most creative people in the world have created mm-hmm. their own um their own philosophy their own approach their own yeah. style and it will appeal to some people and it won't appeal to some. It others yeah so it's a sort of i guess you have to um, draw a line in the sand at some point and say i can either keep doing what i've been doing mm. or i can sort of start in really really enjoying what i do with every fiber of my being and going along for the journey knowing that as soon as you become a little bit um, um, clearer and distinct amongst mm. your peers there'll be, yeah. you'll be yeah It will open the floodgates for people to either like you or not like you. But it's okay. Mm. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today, my love. Thank you. (laughs) And um for the listeners, you can tune into Afrobeats Style and Treats on Azula's (laughs) Instagram page from tomorrow.
1: (laughs) Now I've got to get something up
0: there. Crack on woman.
1: (laughs) Crack on.
0: You've been listening to The Styling Advisory Podcast with Sarah Cohen. If you're enjoying the vibe, you can join our community of styling experts at The Styling Advisory on Instagram and Facebook, and you can watch these interviews on our YouTube channel, Styling Advisory TV. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our show so Sarah can spend more time on the mic. Social media content comes easy to those who are born performers. But for the remaining 99% of us, we need an effective way of promoting our services that doesn't require us to become a trained TV presenter. Most of us just want to talk about what we love, what inspires us, and how we can help people without the pressure and the imposter syndrome that can come with showing up online. With Virtual Styling Business tool ShopShare, you can create shoppable social media content that conveys your personality, your skills, your empathy, your knowledge without the stress of presenting as someone that you don't feel like you are. And while you're doing that, your content is also running up commission payments for you. Join me in March alongside ShopShare TV founder Emma Enterman as we run our first content creation bootcamp. We'll help you draft, record and publish enough content to fill in every social media platform for a whole month. Head to the episode description for more details.